0: Keep a list of my sermons, and I always check to see when the last time maybe I preached out of that scripture or out of that text or that book. And I've discovered that I've only actually preached a couple of other sermons—actually, just two other sermons out of the book of Revelation uh, since I've been here. And uh, so I, I began to think about this uh, this thought on the book of Revelation. And one of its central themes. Now when most people think about the book of Revelation. They think about all sorts of wild. uh, You know judgments. And and horses. And bulls. And thunders. And and all that. But we're going to look at it from a little bit different angle. And probably one of the major themes. That gets overlooked in the book of Revelation. May. 6th of next year, Charles will be coronated king of England. Elizabeth, the longest serving monarch ever to reign, I think, in the entire history of monarchs. And we have a pretty good history of them. Usually they were killed. If you ever look back into English history, some of them only reigned for years some of them only months because they were killed dethroned their brother would kill them Uh, their wife sometimes killed them because she wanted to take over sometimes the husband killed the wife it was a it was just a really bad scenario going on in England for many many years but Charles will take over and he will as they say sit on the throne now when somebody when they use that term now they're not thinking about royalty just saying I'm going to use it a lot I have no intention of making bathroom jokes, okay? So, just so you know. When we use the term, God is on the throne, we usually are using it when we're disappointed or frustrated at circumstances. Well, God's still on the throne. And somehow, like, that's, uh, that's code for life really stinks right now. But I'm going to have, I have no choice but to persevere. That's usually what that's code for, but the thought of God actually sitting on the throne, Jesus being on the throne, should give you and I great confidence in life. Revelation starts with John on the Isle of Patmos. He's in prison It says that he was praying on the Lord's day and the Lord Jesus appeared to him. And in chapter 1, he describes Jesus in a very amazing way. John would have known Jesus. He had spent three years with Jesus. He was a disciple of Jesus, an apostle of the Lord. But as he then... Begins to write about that. Jesus gives him the task to write to the seven churches. Chapter 2 begins those letters to the seven churches. And we did do a Sunday school on that. The seven churches, are just, well, just the overcomer part. But the seven churches, Ephesus, Pergamos, Thyatira, Laodicea, Philadelphia, on it goes. Sardis, he writes to these churches. And then chapter 4, the church is never mentioned again, but John is caught up in heaven. He's going to see future events in the earth, the events that we are going to see. Some will see come to pass, some we won't, because Jesus is coming again. But it's very interesting, his observation. I want to read the entire chapter of chapter 4. It's just 11 verses. And it says, and then I looked, and a door was standing open in heaven, and the same voice I heard before spoke to me like a trumpet blast. The voice said, "Come up here, and I will show you what mu- uh, what must happen after this." And instantly, I was in the spirit, and I saw a throne, and someone sitting on it, and the one sitting on the throne was uh, emeralds uh, circled around the throne like rainbows. Twenty-four thrones surrounded, and the twenty-four... Uh, uh, I'm sorry. One sitting on the throne was brilliant like gemstones and jasper and carloman, and the glow of emeralds circled around uh, him like a rainbow, and twenty-four thrones surrounded him. Twenty-four elders sat on them, and they were clothed in white and had gold crowns on their heads. And from the thrones came flashes of light and rumbles of thunder. And the front of the throne, seven torches with burning flames. And the seven, uh, this is the sevenfold spirit of God. And in front of the throne was a shiny glass, uh, shiny sea of glass, sparkling like crystal. And was the center around the throne, the four living beasts each covered their uh, eyes with their front uh, and back and the first of the living creatures was like a lion and the second was like an ox and the third was like the face a human face and the fourth was like an eagle in flight and these uh, each of these being had six wings and they covered with all their uh covered all their eyes in and out Uh, day after day night after night they kept saying holy 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 is the lord god almighty who was and who is and who is to come and when the living beings and uh, whenever the living beings began to give glory and honor and thanks to the one sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall, uh, fall down and worship, sitting, uh, worship the one sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever. And they lay their crowns before the throne saying, you are worthy, O Lord O God receive the glory and the honor and the power for you've created all things that they uh, and they exist because you created what you please i think john sees this the term throne is mentioned 43 times in 34 different verses in revelation That the understanding of what Jesus is talking about here is the throne of God. That John is seeing this. And it's very interesting that he doesn't describe the throne. Many people, when they think of the throne, they'll think of the, the ornate seat that people would sit in, the kings would sit in. We've all seen movies or television shows with the king, and, you know, the, and he'll be sitting there in his throne, and it'll be a high seat, usually gold-laced or whatever. Solomon's throne in First Kings 10, 18 through 20, it says, the king made a huge throne and decorated with ivy and overlaid it with fine gold, and the throne had six steps uh, around the back, and the arm uh, rests on both sides of the seat, Uh, and the figures of lions stood on each side of the throne, and there were 12 12, uh, other lions, one standing on each of the six steps. No throne in the world could compare with it very interesting. John, they compare Solomon. We have no real physical description of Solomon. We don't know what color hair he had. We do know what color hair David had, but we don't know what color hair Solomon had. We don't know if he was short or tall. We don't know if he was fat or, you know, uh, or if he was good looking. We don't, we don't know. We know his throne. When John sees the throne, he doesn't describe the seat. He describes the one sitting on the seat. He says, this is magnificent. When, I, when he sees the throne, he begins to say, and, you know, coming from the throne, the one sitting on there was like a brilliant gemstone. It was like he's looking at it, like it's looking right into the, like, whoa. I saw rainbows. I heard thunders come from it. This is the description of him who sits on the throne not the throne itself. Psalms 89 verse 14, And the righteous in judgment are the foundation of your throne. Unfailing love and truth walk before you as attendants. And so as he begins to describe this throne, there are others who have seen it. And in Isaiah chapter 6 in verse 1, it says in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a lofty throne and the train of his robe filled the temple. He goes and begins to describe what he sees. Uh, here's God. He says he sees him not just in heaven, but sees him on the throne. Ezekiel chapter 1 describes this as well this is you know if you uh, first time I read Ezekiel chapter 1 I thought Steven Spielberg in all his uh, you know amazing creativity would never come up with anything close to what is described in Ezekiel chapter 1 the man who wrote ET and and the man who encouraged uh, George Lucas to do Star Wars and all that kind of stuff in in all their wild imagination they would never get this And in verses 26 through 28, he says the surface around looked like a throne made of blue lapis ladias. I don't know what that is, but it it is what it is. It's some kind of precious stone. And on his throne, high above, were figures that resembled men. And from what appeared from the waist up a gleaming uh, and then from what appeared his waist his gleaming amber flicker like fire from his waist down burning shining with splendor and all around him a halo uh, uh, a glowing halo and a rainbow shining around the clouds on a rainy day what This is the glory of the Lord look like when I saw it, I fell to the ground and I heard someone speaking to me. He goes on to describe the angels just as John did with the four faces, with the wings over their eyes, crying out, holy, holy, holy. This is something that is runs throughout the Bible. Jesus on the throne. One commentary Matthew Henry wrote, he said he saw a glorious, uh, he said he saw a glorious one sitting upon the throne, not described by human features, so that it represented the likeness of the image, but a, only by a surpassing brightness. It's like, whoa, it's the throne. I can't, you know, whoa, whoa. Because this is who Jesus is. As you read the book of Revelation, you will come to the understanding that it is the throne that is the main setting. It is not earth, it is what is happening on earth from the view of heaven, literally from the view of the throne. That this is when the Antichrist comes and the judgments and these kinds of things happen. That we are screaming towards Screaming towards these days. All the activities around heaven. Chapter 5 begins verse 1. Then, I, I, uh, then I, I saw a scroll in the right hand of one who was sitting on the throne. And there was writing inside and on outside of the scroll. And it was sealed with seven seals. And they begin to lament in heaven. They're like, no one is worthy to open this, this seal, this scroll. Except the one who sits on the throne. That Jesus being on the throne was critical. uh, Stephen, Acts chapter 7. He's preaching to the Pharisees. He gets arrested. He begins to preach and bring them into the understanding of who Jesus is and they knew who he was and they didn't want to hear it. And so they took him out and they stoned him. They're throwing stones. They didn't give him marijuana cigarettes. They they threw rocks at him. And when they did that, Acts 7.56, he told them, Look, I see the heavens open, and the Son of Man standing in his place of honor at God's right hand. It's the only time that Jesus is not sitting on the throne. When someone touches his church, it gets his attention. Don't know if you've ever been to a major sporting event, but it's kind of interesting. You ever go to a football game or, or you know, a lot of time they just stand the whole time. They only sit when there's like the commercial breaks that you gotta wait, and so there's for two minutes nothing's happening on the field. Everybody sits down. As soon as the place die, everybody stands back up. This is true soccer. Those, cra- those fans are crazy. European soccer fans are crazy. I only got two calls, literally. When we were in Lithuania, I only got two calls from the embassy. One was on sp- because of what happened on September 11th. And the other was because the Polish team was defeated by the Lithuanian teams. And the Polish hooligans were on the street. They warned us not to go out. The only two calls in 11 years I ever got from the embassy. They stand. Jesus has the attention. The church has Jesus' attention. He sees this. Psalms 45, verse 6. Your throne, O God, endures forever. And your rule with the scepter of justice. Very interesting that if you read Isaiah chapter 14... This is a prophecy that begins to be against an angel named Lucifer. Lucifer, we know, is the fallen angel that became Satan. Satan is not really a name, it's a title. It literally means adversary. Isaiah chapter 14, verses 12 through 14. How you are fallen from heaven, O shining star, sun of the morning. You have been brought down to earth, you who destroyed the nations of the world. For you have said, I will ascend into heaven and set my throne above God's stars. I will preside in the holy mountain from the God of gods far away from the north. I will climb into the highest heavens and be like the most high. What is the issue with Satan? He wants the throne. He wants, he doesn't just want you to sin and take you to hell. That's easy for him. He just appeals to your emotions. You get all excited about something. And then before you know it, you're sinning. One of the podcasts I listen to, my wife and I listen to podcasts a lot when we go to sleep. One of them is called Ridiculous Crimes. It's pretty funny. And they made the statement, they said, you know, a lot of these criminals, they're they're going along, they're making bad decisions. And then all of a sudden they realize at one point, I'm like a real criminal. They had done a thing on two girls who got busted in Australia for 35 pounds of cocaine. That's like, that's not an accident. That's not like, that's deliberate. He can do that. He can get you excited about all sorts of things. But the issue he really wants is the throne. He wants to rule. The struggle is for the throne. It's very interesting that the actions that come from the throne in the book of Revelation and throughout time and eternity, one, of course, is the issue of judgment. Judgment has to do with value calls. Judgment has to do with what is right, what is wrong, what is worthy, what is not worthy. What is the justice? We know that Solomon had built a throne room and was known as the Hall of Justice. And he would hear legal matters and it was paneled with cedar from floor to ceiling. This is where the famous story comes in of the two prostitutes and one of the babies has died in the night. And one is alive and the woman switches them and then the other prostitute says, no, 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 that's, that's my baby. And they take it and Solomon says, bring me a sword, I'll cut it in half. And the mother cries out and he says, that's the mother. That happened in this room. He built a throne for judgment. Revelation 20 and verse, one, uh, verse 11, rather, it says, I saw a great white throne and the one sitting on it the earthens fled from his presence and there was no place found for it. And he begins to judge, open the books. The dead, small and great, are standing there. He's going to judge from a throne. Thrones have to do with judgment. Sometimes, and we'll get to this a little bit at the end. Sometimes we need to come to God and say, God, I need a judgment on my favor. Matthew nineteen twenty eight assuredly Jesus replied assuredly assured when you uh, when the world is made new and the Son of Man sits upon His glorious throne you who have been my followers will sit on twelve thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel Matthew twenty five verse thirty one but when the Son of Man comes in His glory and the angels with Him He will sit upon His glorious throne. Isaiah 9, 6, and 7 will be quoted a lot in the near future. The Christmas scripture, one of the few Old Testament Christmas scriptures, because it starts out, For a child is born unto us, and a son is given to us, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And his government and peace will have no end, and he shall rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. With the passionate commitment of the Lord's, of heaven's armies, will make this happen. So the picture and the understanding there of Jesus being on the throne, and he's going to be forever. Forever. It was from the throne that the king's will was done. That's why when you read the book of Revelation, it is the picture from heaven of the activity going on on earth. God is going to speak once and all to all the sin and all the insanity, He is going to dethrone the devil the working understanding is all the events come from the throne even if hell is going to be loosed it's going to come from the throne of god job tells us that there were times where the satan would appear before the throne Jesus would uh, God would say to Satan what, what have you been doing? He's about going to and fro the earth, you know, just wandering just you know whatever. But if you consider Job, that all took place from heaven in the throne room. The struggle comes in our lives when we really don't want Jesus to be on the throne of our heart. We don't mind Savior. We just don't want Lord. We don't want King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Psalms 103, verse 19, the Lord has made heaven his throne. From there he rules over everything. That no matter what you see, God is still in control. God is still working and bringing things and planning things. You know, Jesus before Pilate, you would think this is the lowest point. Jesus is about to be crucified. And he turns to Pilate and uh, Pilate says, why don't you talk to me? Don't you realize I have the power to release you or crucify you? And Jesus said you would have no power over me at all unless it was given to you from above. So that the one who handed you over to me, uh, the one who handed me over to you has the greater sin. God is looking. He's got a whole activity going on from the throne. He's aware you're going through something. He knows what you're going through. He knows exactly what you're going through. Say, well, why would he permit it? Well, sometimes you go through difficult things. Because he's trying to get you to some place. July of 2015, my wife and I found out we have to leave Ireland by the end of the month. They're canceling our visa. I'm like, do we got 90 days? Do we, you know, do we get a tourist visa after that? And she's like, nope. You have to be gone. By July 31st. So we leave totally like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. That insane. This is ludicrous. What? Thinking this is the worst thing that can happen and yet. Time goes on by 2017. I'm announced to go on staff in Prescott. You don't, I don't get staff in Prescott if I'm still in Ireland. Sometimes we go through things we don't see the hand of God working and moving and causing things to happen. God wants to bring the direction. The question is will you follow that? Think about the activity before the th- the activity around the throne. The key central observation in our text is worship. From verse 6 through verse 11, I'm not going to read it all, but it says that before the throne there were these angels, and they got the four faces, the lion, the eagle, the man, and one other that slips my mind at the moment. Oh, lion. The lion? Oh, the ox. They have these four faces, they cover their eyes, they, they've, they've got six wings, two cover their eyes, two cover their feet, they are singing, holy, holy, holy. Isaiah describes the same angels in Isaiah 6. They break into this, and then it says the four, the 24 elders which are representations of the completed work of God, the 12 tribes of Israel, the 12 apostles of the Lamb. This completed work, the Old Testament, New Testament believers together, worshiping God, speaking out. You read in chapter 5, same thing, power, all power and glory and wisdom and honor is yours. And from time to time, there are glimpses back to the throne in the book of Revelation, and it's always about worship. If worship bothers you, then you probably don't want to go to heaven. The only real drag about that is the alternative is really bad. So therefore, I suggest you get your heart right. Verse 10 tells us that the four and 20 elders lay down their crowns before the throne. Crowns were the reward. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8 tells us that the prize, the crown of righteousness, Paul writes, he says, it awaits me. Now, crowns sound very strange to us, but let me put this in context. They were like laurel wreaths. These kinds of crowns. In the Olympics in Paul's day, they didn't give out medals. Gold, silver, and bronze weren't given out at the Olympics. Crowns were. And so people would have crowns. They could have multiple crowns on. It wouldn't, you know. A lot of us think of the gold crown like that they will put on May 6th on Charles' head. My, uh, we had a team come from Holland when we were in Ireland, and uh, they, uh, Queen Beatrix had stepped down from the throne so that William could become king of the Netherlands. William is king of my grandchildren, just saying. And so the team was there, so they wanted to watch the coronation and at one point, they bring out the, you know, the, throne, the crown on the pillow, and it's this big, massive, purple and gold crown, and they place it on the head of William. And this is what they did. We watched that, and uh, some of them were even, you know, wiping away a tear. That's what we think of when we hear that they threw their crown. These were actually like medals, like Olympic medals that they would have had, maybe three, four, five, they're throwing. Saying, you know what, Jesus, it's a symbol. It's a symbol of sacrifice. We sang that song, you know, all I do is because of you. All I will be is because of what you did for me. That's what they're saying. Jesus, it's all because of you. If it's all because of you, then you think you deserve the crown. You would deserve that. You wouldn't want to give that up because that's what I deserve. But they see Jesus. And they say, no, you know what, Lord? Anything I have, it's because of you. It's good to remember here. God is not opposed. Let me just say this God is not opposed. I'm not a prosperity preacher. Name it, claim it, blab it, grab it. But I do believe God wants to bless you. God is not afraid of you having things, God is not afraid of you being blessed. He's not. He's not afraid of that. He wants to get, but will you, would you lay it down if he called for it? Someone had said to me once, I don't want to buy a house because I don't want to be tied down. Well, the question is, do you own the house or does the house own you? That's the real question. Real estate can be a very good investment. They lay it down. They say, Lord, everything we are, it's because of you. They knew he was good. Now think about this. Described in this glory. John can't even look. The power, the judgment, the, the fairness, the, the all that's going to happen from the throne. And Hebrews 4 And verse 16 says, Let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. That God in heaven allows us to come with your hang ups in your problems, in context, it's even about temptation and sin. God says, come to me. Come to me. The one who you couldn't even look at. Come to me. John hears a voice. Come up here. See this. And I believe that is there, and especially at the end. The end of the book, the end of the Bible, the end of the story of life as we know it. We'll go into the millennium. We don't know much after that. He puts this in there. says, you know what? I'm on the throne. What are you going through? I'm on the throne. Is it financial? I'm on the throne. Is it circumstantial? I'm on the throne. Come to me, that's what Jesus is saying here. You need help, it's nice to go to someone who can help you. You know, no offense, but if I need a million dollars, I'm probably not going to ask many people in this room. Just saying, because there's no way you could. If I, I'm, and if you need a million dollars, I got bad news for you, I can't help you, right? You got to go to those who can help you. Some things are way beyond us, but there's a God in heaven on the throne that can help us and visit us if you'll simply come to him. Let's bow our heads for just a moment. You're here this evening. Maybe you never come to the throne of Jesus. Maybe you live in your own world, your own lifestyle. You do this because you want to do what we call sin, what the Bible calls sin. Sin is numbers of things. It's basically knowing what is right and doing wrong anyway. It's stealing, it's cheating, it's lying. It's immoral activities. It's all of these things and more. But Jesus says to the sinner, if you'll come to me, I'll forgive you. There's probably no time you need God's gracious help to receive mercy than when you're living in sin. And Jesus is offering that to you. That if you'll simply come to him, he will forgive you, help you, And change your life. And if you're here this evening, you're not right with God. You're not a Christian, but you want to become a Christian. You want to come to Jesus. We don't need a list of your sin. That's not the issue. The issue is you simply surrendering and say, would you pray with me? I want to meet Jesus. I want to turn from my sin. I want to know God. I wonder if you'd slip up your hand and say, you know what? That's me. Preacher, would you pray for me? I need to get my heart right with God. I need to come to Jesus. Very quickly, just slip up your hand. We're not going to embarrass you, but we want to pray with you. We want to pray for you. Maybe you're backslidden. You once knew God. You you went away. Maybe it was circumstances, overwhelmed you, and now you're in all sorts of issues. You need to come to Jesus. You need to come back to Jesus. Slip up your hand. You're not saved or you're backslidden. God wants to touch you. He wants to help you. We just want to pray a simple prayer with you. We're not going to embarrass you. We just want to lead you to Jesus. Very quickly, slip up your hand, put it right back down. Pray for me. Changing the call then to Christians. What are you going through? What do you need God's help with? He's on the throne. He is absolutely on the throne. He is absolutely in control. Absolutely ready to help you and I, if you would simply come boldly, not timidly, boldly. I watched a father one time. His daughter would say, Dad, I know you're going to say no, but could I have five dollars so I can go out with my friends? And he looked at her and he said, you knew I was going to say no so the answer is no and he turned to me and he said I'm trying to teach her instead of start it with the negative start it with the already defeated come out and say no my dad's got five dollars for me I know that my dad will meet my need he's going to help me he wants me and come and say dad you know Can I? Can I have? Can I do this? Because he loved his daughter, he wanted to help her. He wanted to bless her. God wants to help and bless you. Let's stand. These altars are open, allowing people to find a place to pray, talk to God, worship His name this evening. Sit on the throne, Lord, we rejoice. <laughs> oh, ra 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 ra, ra borre be 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 be. Oh, ra 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 bo bo borra se.